Hello, everyone, and welcome back to My Pleasure. I'm sitting here. I just made some hot chocolate. It's kind of like a fake hot girl hot chocolate, though. Oh, wait. Is it a hot girl chocolate? Mm -hmm. No. Um, But I wanted to welcome everyone. And if you're new here, I wanted to give you the introduction heads up information that this show is recorded live every monday night on amp an app called amp amp at 7 p.m uh la la land time mondays at 7 and then those episodes that i record live are released every thursday wherever you listen to podcasts so we're talking spotify we're talking apple you know and also faq This show is currently audio only, and if you are looking for ways to support the show, I say post and tag me on Instagram, TikTok. You guys have been doing that. I appreciate you. Participate in the conversation at the Reddit, at My Pleasure Podcast. Like, do your thing. Build a lifestyle out of this because that's that's what we're doing together. And wow, I... Just got back from my little mini stand-up comedy tour of the Pacific Northwest. I went to San Francisco, I went to Seattle, and then to Portland. And what a vibe. It was really cold. It was really cold. San Francisco is probably the vibiest, cutest place. Like, I just love how it stands out. It's so different than all the other cities I go to. Like, it really has its own personality. You can tell that, like, creative, artistic, gay people live there in the best way. And I really want to go back and, like, actually explore it. I mean, that's the thing, you guys. Like, when I go on the road for stand-up, it seems like it's this great opportunity to travel and see the world or see the country. But ultimately, when a trip is wrapped in work, it's just... It's hard to, like, separate the two. I really wish that I could, and I... I don't know. I kind of can't. I think if it was maybe a more... Mm, like, a less of a pressure kind of gig, maybe, but... I gotta be honest with you guys. I had so much anxiety the day of the first, the first day of like the shows in San Francisco. And I had two shows that night, which I'm trying to do less of that. Um, but I was just, I had a lot of anxiety and I felt like I was really miserable to be around all day. I felt bad for Carlos. And, um, even afterwards, he was like, that was kind of bad. And I'm like, I know. I'm sorry. Like I wasn't mean to him. I think I was just like, really low energy and like not very talkative um because I was just anxious but then as soon as literally the second I was on stage I was so happy and energized and excited and it is so weird to see how real it is to fear something and have anxiety about something and have a little bit of dread over it because you don't know how it's going to go and have those feelings really just take over your brain and your body and then you do the thing and then afterwards you're like completely fine and happy and grateful and like energized and like manic and so that is a that's a problem. <laughs> That's something that I'm working on. And I'm actually really grateful that Carlos was there to like witness how low my mood dipped when I was anxious because, you know, it's good. I want to remember, like I want, I even made little videos to myself just being like, 
I just want to prevent it, you know, like, or I don't want to do things that cause me to feel that way. And so I need to work on that. But at the same time, everyone in my life was kind of like, look, it makes sense. Like you are always nervous right before you do a headlining show when it hasn't, when you haven't been going up lately or, you know, the first one in a while. But I got to tell you guys, the biggest lesson for me this week was emphasis on live in in person real experiences and that does not even i'm not even just saying the shows like that is a big part of it but i spend a lot of time at home looking at my pinterest board looking at tiktok and a little bit of reading and just kind of like at home like visualizing fantasizing whatever you know the things i do with my pinterest board whatever and I really, as much as I love doing that, and that is really like the most fulfilling time that I do have ultimately. And I have, it's so, it's like, um, this powerful tool that I have in my toolkit of like hunkering down and being creative alone at a, like at a table or at a, on a couch. I gotta tell you that in person, real life experiences, you need them. Like, it, I, as much as I want to have the life hack of like, I don't need anyone. I don't need anything. Like, I can just hole up on my couch and be fine forever. That's not true. Like, that is, that final destination doesn't exist. The, it's really the interactions and it, like that stuff is what life is about. I know that's the worst sentence ever to say what life is about, but that is how I feel. And so basically on, um, on Saturday night or whatever night it was. Yeah. I did a show in Seattle. And right after, as I was leaving the stage, a girl was like, Oh, I have this bag for you. And I walked over and I usually don't do mean greets because it's, it is such a complicated, uh, topic. I mean, it's really not. It's actually very straightforward and simple. It's just, there's two sides to it. One side is I love meeting people who come to my shows. Like it is, it is always rewarding. It is always energizing. It is always fun. But on the flip side of that, I get really drained and like I overexert myself and it can be like a challenge and like hard on my mental health afterwards. And I don't really know the specifics as to why it's hard on me. And I, it's the kind of thing where I just simply still, even at age 34, even 13 years in this business, I can't even wrap my head around some of these feelings I have where I'm not like, are you kidding? How do I not want to be constantly recognized by everyone? That's so cool. Or like, how would I not want to be, which I'm not constantly recognized that no, but like it happens and I do love it. But on the flip side, like you do start to feel a little bit like, oh man, like who's like watching me? Like who's like, there's just a little bit of a weird in on an animalistic level it's like a little weird do i still love it yes do i like am i still literally grateful for it yes but anyways what i was getting to was i did i ended up doing an impromptu meet and greet and i'm actually like i'm really glad that that happened and it happened by accident but i met so many people in Seattle and got to chat with them and people had brought little gifts and notes and stuff. And it's just the exact opposite 
of reading a mean comment. It, it really is. And it's so fulfilling. And to everyone who is in social media, who were, you know, who's like creator, digital creators, influencers, whatever, it's like we all deal with the negative comments. Like that's never going to stop. And it does take a toll on you. But then when you fucking combat that with the real life in person energy you get from your like beloved fucking online family at this point is what I would call it because so many of the people that come to my shows are people who I've interacted with through the live streams, through the podcasts. Um, and the word fan is just, maybe I should get more, um, comfortable with it because I love to say that I'm a fan of things. It's actually like very Hollywood to be like, I'm such a fan, but it is a real feeling that I have. And so maybe people are not as insulted as I think they would be if I just say like, they're my fans. Like there's nothing wrong with that, but you know, self-worth issues or something. Um, I, I didn't get to meet people in Portland, which was really a bummer. I really was hoping to and wanted to, but you guys, Carlos, I think had like a mini breakdown. It was honestly kind of funny and he was even laughing too. So it's not that mean of me, but he, a, a fan, this really cool couple brought us, um, mushrooms oh wait is that illegal i don't know they brought us something they've this is for legal reasons a joke but um they brought us some stuff and i didn't want to take it just because like you know i'm doing shows like you know i have to kind of stay in the awareness zone of my surroundings and carlos was like i'll do it so he took them and okay here's the thing about that specific kind of drug like it's really doesn't mix well with like performing and like being around people you don't know. And so he was on stage in front of literally like 600 people in, um, in Portland or whatever, you know, five, 600 people. And he was high on mushrooms and he was like, he got scared, I think. And I think he felt like he was taking things. I don't know if it's personally or literally, but I was being a little bit like, oh, like, you know, I think I made fun of him a little and which I always do and we always make fun of each other. But he got really serious. And after I got off stage, he was like huddled in a corner with like borderline fetal position. Like, I'm not going to call him out and say he was full blown fetal position, but it was fetal position adjacent for certain. And I was like, oh, no. And I know what that feels like because I've had a similar bad experience. And I was just immediately like in care mode, like what you're OK. And I just talked him down and we laughed and we, you know, I we we talked about our friend John who makes us laugh and it was he got he snapped out of it really quick but it was a little scary and i was really worried about him so i just needed to like focus on that situation um but yeah the shows were so fun i felt like i could really be myself and be loose and be in the moment and like it was even just the small difference of performing in front of people who you know are there to see you like instead of usually when i'm at the comedy store like i refer to dave as my fiance and like I just call him Dave when I'm at my shows and there's just a, a different kind of comfortability there. And stand up is, it's a, an art form. It's a craft and it's something that I've been honing and working on for 13 years at this point. Probably not as consistently as I could, but that's also just like hustle culture. And I've been doing it, um, 
this long and I'm still every day like working to get better at it when I am working on it. And so it was really, I felt like I had, you know, broke through to a new level of comfortability and maybe I knew that could possibly be coming and that's why I was so anxious before. I don't know. I don't know the connection with anxiety, but there's, there's probably one. And so the other thing that I got really like romantic about on this trip was just like coffee shop culture. And that's something that I've always just had a love affair with. And it might be just as simple as the fact that, you know, caffeine is a drug. And so the place where you get your drug like feels special to you. But I do think like, wait a second, fuck it. I'm not going to judge that or um, make it a negative thing because look at all of Europe, like getting coffees and cappuccinos. Like that's a, a very popular and beloved part of their culture. So like, why can't we have it too? And it also be positive here, even though it's like, you know, a little bit more hipstery and not as like classic and whatever it is that you associate Europe as being. But I realized like a good coffee shop experience, it really like fuels me. It really like makes me feel my best self. And like, it's just a feeling that I want to chase and that I do chase. And I'm sure it has to do with like a dopamine cycle, but who cares? So I wanted to talk a little bit about like, what is an ideal coffee shop culture experience? Because there, it is hard to achieve. Like I know there's like hundreds of coffee shops in Seattle, hundreds in Portland, like um, you know, a ton in San Francisco and LA. There's a lot in all these cities, but like they're not all the ideal. And so here's the list of like things that I think really need to be in place. So first is I really want like a specialty seasonal flavored drink menu and it could literally have one option on there and I'm satisfied and like this is all this list is sort of based on my new favorite coffee shop which was in San Francisco called St. Frank and they really nailed like all of these I'm pretty sure and their like weird specialty drink on the menu was maple and pine a maple and pine latte. I didn't try it, which I do regret, but I was so into the, um, just they're like, well, okay. The next thing on my list is having a house made nut milk. That's what they had. They had a macadamia almond or cashew. It was really good. And that to me also, it's like, I kind of, if you're not offering me the priority milk that I, will have my like happiest experience with, which is either like oatly oat milk or a house made nut milk to like make me feel really fancy. Like I just, I can't waste my coffee experience on a less than ideal milk alternative. I, I just can't. Like those days are done for me. There's too little joy to go around in my life that like I need to, to, to savor and have those those tiny ones that I can count on, like I need to really nail them and make them right. And so for me, I want a house made nut milk. I really like need the coffee shop experience to like, I need to know you guys care. I need curated high quality ingredients. Um, 
because otherwise I'll just make it at home, which is also what I usually do. But again, like for the luxurious feeling of being a fancy person, I want to get the coffee shop experience right. Next on my list, friendly baristas who are cooler than me and who are chiller than me. So I love a friendly interaction, like definitely not rudeness. I, oh my God, this old apartment I used to live in in Los Feliz, I lived right by this coffee shop. And it was actually right when I first started drinking coffee, like in my mid twenties. And they were so mean, the baristas. They were so mean and like scary. And then I heard this weird rumor about the coffee shop that it was like a front for like a weapon distributor. Very scary stuff. But I was like, oh my God, I knew it. They were so mean. Like they just almost like in a negging way, like when a guy likes you, but he's just going to be mean and stone faced to you. That is how the baristas were. I know that's a vibe. And that's like, again, how some people need to be to preserve their energy. Fucking respect. Fuck yeah. You be you. That's all I ever want in life. But that was never my ideal. My ideal. Although now that I'm thinking back on it, I'm like, I feel like I want another chance to like go and like have that guy be mean to me again and like neg me and I want to like take back the power somehow. Um, and that's a little bit of a crazy thought probably. So I think a barista who is friendly enough to just be nice but still asserts that they are higher status than me, the lowly customer. That is like the uh, prime p- premium experience I'm looking for. I definitely want to feel like I'm a, the lower status person. And then next is we love, obviously, it needs to feel clean in there. And maybe this is like, a part of the whole concept of like you spend money on what you feel like you're lacking in life. If I'm walking into a business and I'm putting my hard-earned money down on the table, I need to be in a clean place, okay? I'm, my whole life is a mess. My car is messy. My room is dirty. Like I can't be spending money in places that are messy. It just mentally, I'll feel like I'm wasting it. And I know that makes no logical sense because the clean coffee shop it's not going to clean my house, but mentally for that brief moment, it will. And also very, very important. Clean is like only half of, half of the vibe. It has to also feel a little bit like a boutique hotel. Okay. We all know that the greatest feeling the greatest vibe, the greatest place you can ever fucking spend your time in is a boutique hotel. I can't name you a specific chain because I don't really know of one. Also, I guess the whole thing is if it's a boutique, it's not a chain, but like we all know everything good is like owned by corporations because they like take over everything that's good. Um, but like a coffee shop with a boutique hotel, because like I can't, just go to a cute little nice hotel in LA, right? They'll, um, it'll be all eyes on me. Like, who is this person? They're not staying here. Get them out. Like, that's too risky. It's too scary. When I'm on the road, you know, sometimes like I'll stay at a really cute hotel and I can curate that vibe for me then. But if you can't and you don't want to go into a hotel and have everyone ask you, what's your room number? Bitch, get out of here. 
a coffee shop with that vibe hits all the same, hits even better. Like it's so, it's perfect. And St. Frank, I felt really nailed this vibe. Like just the fucking font on their window. It was so cute. I don't necessarily have recommendations in LA that feel like, like boutique shops. I should really think about it. Actually, Dayglow, which this would be a very organic time to insert that I have a collab drink with them right now called the Iced My Pleasure. I don't make money off of it. So this isn't like an ad. It's literally just a fun thing that I'm doing with my friend who owns Dayglow, but go check that out. I know it'll be available for all of December and it's, um, that's that it okay so dayglow nails the like specialty drink menu and highly curated uh like highly luxurious and curated ingredients they nail it in fact like tom who runs dayglow has introduced me like a step deeper into that whole world and just like mutual respect there so go to dayglow coffee shop in uh chicago or silver lake or west hollywood check out the ice my pleasure or whatever other drinks because they have really cool drinks there and then the last thing that i really look for in an ideal coffee shop culture experience is a cup with branding honestly i'm i appreciate it i really do appreciate a cup with your logo your branding anything like i could do without the alfred's coffee shop ads even though that is still like something but i just really like when i'm spending my money at a biz place of business that like knows itself has an identity and again i know i'm literally like the queen of consumerism and also low-key anti-capitalist so nothing i say really stands for anything. If you're looking for that kind of podcast, I say turn it off now, but that's just where I'm at. And I think ideal coffee shop experiences are not to be um, looked over. I think they're valuable. I think they're important. They're an important part of travel for me. And you don't always, you don't always find a house made nut milk. I will tell you that that is tricky, but um, I pulled it off this trip. Although in Portland, I couldn't find any, but I did notice a lot of places had hemp milk on the menu, which I was psyched about. Because, um, you know, I think hemp milk, I think hemp milk is like going to make a comeback. It's going to be the next big milk after oat milk. Okay. Oh, wait. Another aspect of it is I want a menu that changes like slightly and you don't know how often and it's like really hard to find it online. I don't know why that just kind of gets me off a little. Um Okay, so let's get into, what should we get into? I talked about my shows. I, oh, you know what really even inspired my whole thing of like prioritizing in-person experiences is just walking in San Francisco and looking out across the water and seeing Alcatraz Island and like the Alcatraz prison. I, again, like such how amazing is it that like American culture is like prisons and like spending money? And I was thinking this morning because I had the OJ, o, OJ trial um, playing on my iPad in the hotel room just to like curate a 90s vibe. And I'm like, this is American culture. It's commercials because we, we were watching um, 90s commercials it's commercials. It's the OJ Simpson trial. It's fucking prisons. Like American culture as a Midwest middle class person in the 90s 
it's not really something to be that proud of, but it is what it is. And we're just working with what we have in front of us. Okay. Anyways, I had this breathtaking view of Alcatraz Island and that to me solidified this big difference in my life, which is you think, oh, I'm looking at things in pictures like, oh, I'm getting, and you do get a lot out of that. Like I said, my relationship with my Pinterest board is very intimate. Like I really feel a lot of wonderful things from looking at beautiful like skyline and image, you know, pretty things on it. But looking at that out in person in real life, it just hit me in a it just hit, it was a beautiful experience. I don't know if I'm just older or if I'm a person who experiments with drugs or bored or like off of whatever like anxiety loop cycle spiral I was in for years before I started taking Lexapro. Like I just really breathed in this glorious view of Alcatraz Island and it just made me feel like inspired and creative in a way that that surprised me, actually. I was like, oh, that's so weird. Like, this really does matter to, like, do things in real life. And so I hope that, like, that inspires you to just, like, go out and look at something pretty. I'm sure you also already do that all the time and you don't need me to tell you. I, I don't know. I feel like we're all, though, at very different levels of, like, life experience here. And I mine make no sense, my levels. Um, yeah, so that's kind of that for the trip. Let's get into segments. So first up is anti-sadness. And this week, I want to mentally vacate the premises. What do I mean? I want to feel relaxed. I want to like have a rock on attitude. I want to just feel like it's December. This is a, the holidays are here. And I want to like, basically this one summer, um, it was two years ago when we were shooting Dollface. I was like, you know what? I want to bring like summer fun energy to the whole shoot of this, this whole season. And I really did that successfully. And so my thing now is like, it's December. I want to bring like holiday party fun energy to every day in December. And that could mean very little. It could mean a lot, but I just want to like, feel relaxed and fun and have like a holiday spirited vibe for December. No matter what it is that I'm up to, I want to really try to bring that and just like differentiate this last month of the year and have it feel kind of special and almost partially like rewarding because I worked hard this year and stayed focused on my goals and stuff. So that's going to be my anti-sadness this week is giving it a party vibe. My crush this week is live experiences. I already elaborated on why, but that is definitely a thing I'm crushing on. Walking through a park, even though it's fucking cold, um, trying new things, doing my shows. And I would also imagine this, I kind of want to now go to a show and see a show and see someone live. And the live experience of meeting people, like that is my crush. That really fed my soul and you know the older you get feeding the soul is just more it's more and more important as each day goes on you know the chicken soup for the soul series they they weren't a hit for nothing those sold well for a fucking reason because we're all lonely and unfulfilled okay no we're 
we're on our way to fulfillment. It's a never-ending journey towards it. My taste of the week is, oh my God, Nong's, N-O-N-G-S. It's this like little boiled chicken place. It's a chain in Portland. They boil chicken. They give you this like ginger soy type of sauce. It's so good. Rice. It's just delicious. And they sell the sauce on Amazon, Nong sauce. I'm definitely ordering another bottle this week and going to fucking just go crazy, spill it all over chicken. But that taste was so good. And then, of course, like St. Frank, where I had the almond milk latte. And then Evergreens, which is a salad chain that I noticed was in both Portland and Seattle, had it in both cities, did a build-your-own-salad The Dijon balsamic dressing was fucking great. Highly recommend to my Portland and Seattle family out there. Thank you guys for having a great city with great food. I makes me so happy because you guys, oh my God, when I first, first started doing stand up on the road where it's just like literally I will take any gig, any place that will have me, I will go. I did some rough, rough shows like Truly situations that I would never recommend anyone put themselves in where I'm literally flying into a city, into a town I've never, I don't know anyone I've never even really heard of. A Just a random guy in a truck picks me up, drives me to a motel that is scary and like where I'm so scared I'm not leaving my room, like just in bad areas where it just feels really shady and, you know just not my, not, not liberal people in one way. That's a way to put it. But, um, yeah. And so we're, oh my God, we're literally, there'd be nowhere for me to sit like before I go on stage. So I'm just in the manager's office. Like I, that's just not really normal. So it like just comparing that to my experience this weekend where I was at like this iconic comedy club in San Francisco that like every comedian who's ever been a fucking comedian has performed there in their time. And then like, um, you know, these like smaller theaters in, uh, Portland and Seattle, like those are just, that's just such a luxury to get to perform in that kind of a situation as opposed to like, dinky not even really a comedy club but just like weird situations i've done it all and so i felt really grateful to not be dealing with that but anyways hot girl homework for me i really want to get back into my routine of making my own salads because i kind of was not eating salads for the last like three months maybe i don't know like i just got off of it and evergreens in the pacific northwest like got me back on to a mindset where i'm like okay i think i can eat salads yeah i can do that like with a good dressing and like a stocked kitchen with arugula and romaine like i can be a salad girly again i believe that for me like i have faith and so yeah i'm gonna do that i also i know i've talked about this before but like my fried chicken salads with barbecue sauce as dressing that will probably be a big December moment for me as well. Okay. My top five, uh, my top five list this week is my top five current favorite fashion staples. We're talking in terms of staples 
because I realized I lean more on staples in clothing than I ever really realized. Like I almost only need my staples. I don't need, I don't need much more. And so for me, firstly is a flannel. I want it to be baggy, oversized. I want it to be soft. If it's not soft, it's not coming home with me. Um, the pattern on it has to spark joy and be like pleasant to my eye. Sometimes like when flannels try to do things that are a little too creative, when they get a little too risky, that's a little too much for me. Like I don't need multiple different patterns. Like I think the whole thing should be one pattern and it doesn't need to be a million colors. Like I think whatever, I'm not a fucking flannel designer, not yet. And I think a good flannel is key. Next, comfy bralette, okay? I, I'm i a bralette girl. I don't want underwire anymore. I don't want push-up. I don't like that. Those days are behind me. Like I'm really a comfy girl in a bralette. I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's actually far sexier than being in some kind of like tight, pushy, wired bra, even though those have their moments, like there's nothing against them. But right now I'm in my bralette era and I'm actually, I have bralettes on sleepover by Um, and I'm going to release another color that's just a, a solid color. So for people who like them, they can have them in like a solid situation, but bralette especially. And I feel like I might've like absorbed this fashion idea from Kalila, but like it's very, cause it's very surfer girl, but a bralette and then like a half buttoned or one button flannel. That is so a vibe that's never going away for me. That will be timeless for me in my, in my life for my whole lifetime. I will make it timeless. I don't, I don't care. You will see me from ages 12 to ages 88 in a bralette and a flannel. Okay. That I promise. Next, New Balance sneakers. And if you had asked me two months ago, there's a chance I would have said Yeezy sneakers. That is not what I am saying today. I'm saying New Balance sneakers. And I love the just the classic gray 990s, but I think any... Honestly, it's really any sneaker that you feel very comfortable in, that's your staple. And next is my new North Face puffer jacket. Like I just feel probably mostly because I was in a cold, in different cold cities last week, but that has become a lifeline for me there. I probably won't necessarily be here in LA. And then next, last on my list is baggy jeans. There are not enough words in the English language to describe to you how grateful I am that baggy jeans are in style. Skinny jeans never, never worked on me. I'm short. I'm just short, okay? I'm a short girl and I don't have the length to really make a skinny jean work. I know that like baggy jeans will do those even work for short girls. They do for me. I love them. I, it really is when I feel like, wait, am I not as feminine as I thought? Like I just really prefer baggy jeans and sneakers. I, it makes me feel, I'm just comfortable. I think it's because I'm a sweatpants girly and comfort is really important to me. And so like skinny jeans, it was just never going to work out between us. That's why like this new 
denim trend cycle transitioning out of skinny jeans and into like a baggy a baggier looser fit has been really good for me like thank you gen z we are really in alignment and i appreciate you that's another thing i talked about at my shows this weekend was like i really do weirdly identify as gen z and some of the girls i met in seattle or yeah they were like Oh my God, same. This girl I met, she was like, I'm 36 and I identify as Gen Z. And I looked at her, I'm like, you are, I can see it. Like you just are. And so it's kind of fun to be the person with the perspective of like, I like the newer generation and I want to be them as opposed to like kids these days. Like that's, that's crazy. But maybe everyone wants to be the cooler, newer generation. And I'm just basic. That's probably true. And next, what is next? Is that all of my freaking segments? Yes, it is. Okay. I think there was like one more topic I wanted to touch on. And that is that, oh, well, I, hmm, I do feel there's a good chance that I'm entering my embarrassment era. You guys have been with me for a while. You know, like, I really hold strong to this idea that nothing is embarrassing and just, like, be you. And I do stand by that. But in true hypocritical form, I think there's a flip side to it, which is, okay, like, some things are embarrassing. And I think it's not things that you can't control, like when your dad embarrasses you or like you don't like your car and you're embarrassed of it. Like those are wait, those are times to never let embarrassment win. But I think it's like my own behavior and like my own past comedy style or like what I wore or a joke I told or a thought I thought I had or a tweet or Instagram post selfies that shit that like you put out in the world oh my god it's so embarrassing like i was just talking about this too the other day with one of my girlfriends there's some days where it's like i feel embarrassed of everything that i said or did up until like five seconds ago like you just i don't know what's causing this or what's bringing this up for me maybe it's just like i'm going through some changes and feeling like I have a fresher, newer perspective on things, but I'm open to an embarrassment era. I'm open to like really, oh, and you know what? You know who who has dealt with embarrassment eras more than anyone in our society? It's child stars. And I've seen this in people who I'm friends with who were famous when they were ch- children they're like it's they're so cringed and embarrassed by their behavior or like what they did and so they kind of have to like they they have to re-strategize their lives and i feel like that's sort of a a similar thing i'm experiencing not that i'm a child star but i've like been online for so long and i wonder if most millennials are going through this experience right now but like We've done a lot of cringe shit online. And those who came before us were never that cringy online because they were never that young and stupid online. Like I look over at Dave and I'm like, he's 10 years older than me. He didn't really get into Twitter until he was in his 30s or late 20s. And for me, like I've been on Twitter since I was 
like 19. And there's people obviously way younger, but, and I don't, this isn't even specific to Twitter. I think it's just like, oh my God, I'm embarrassing. That's a reality. I need to, I need to fucking deal with it. I need to cope with it. And I just kind of wanted to share that in case you guys relate and like, how do you deal with it? Do you just like delete your old posts? Do you, um, I think I say you just move forward. Like eyes in front of you and try not to look back so that you don't cringe. And I think that's been a good, helpful tool for me in my toolkit anyways. Um, of just being like, look forward. Don't look back at the pictures of me when I was like at a different age or a different weight where I think I look better than I do now. And don't look back and think like, oh my God, I was so stupid. Like just look forward and deal with what's in front of you is probably the right idea there. So I think, by the way, I think there is a way to hold on to never being embarrassed in spirit and energy. Like always have a confidence to you but still after the fact be like oh maybe that was embarrassing anyways you guys thank you so much for listening to my pleasure it is an honor to spend december with you i'm really looking forward to this month together i am there's a chance i'll be doing extra live streams i will let you know and on top of that uh thank you for tuning in every week. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for subscribing, posting, and telling people. I really appreciate that every time I see it. And um, the stand-up tour will continue. I will be in Phoenix January 6th and 7th. I'm looking to add more dates, more cities, and possibly finally rescheduling Florida. You can get tickets to that at estheronice.com. And I also have a clothing line, sleepoverbyester.com. And I have a new drop I'm, I'm really excited about. I'm hoping to put out before the end of the year. There's still some sizes available in the Moonlight Swim Collection. I love doing this. It's so fun. It's just like a fun, artsy, weird girl thing that I do. Thank you, guys. I fucking appreciate you. I love you. I'll see you next week.